Ladies and gentlemen, please rise for the playing of the Great Ridge Station intro track. Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Greetings and welcome back to Great Ridge Station. Much to my surprise, this is Season 4, Episode 1. Season 4. Already. Well, time flies. Interestingly, I've been a showrunner long enough now that when things come up in day-to-day conversation, I can say, hey, I have a podcast episode about that if you're interested, and usually they are. So as we launch into Season 4, here are the things that have surprised me. First, I'm surprised at how much fun I'm having. Yes, it's a lot of work, but it's highly variable work. Scripting, recording, overseeing the editing, and launching each episode into the wild blue yonder. Second, there's been no time compression with this project. Years ago, I worked on a series of uh, projects that ran three to eight weeks from start to out the door. Done, fully implemented. And let me tell you, those three years of my life just blasted by. The constant one-after-another parade of deadlines compressed time and made me miserable in the process. Okay, really, it probably made my wife more miserable than it made me. But you know what? With this project, there's been none of that. Time seems to be behaving itself, well, pretty well. And finally, I'm surprised by the reach of this podcast. Yeah, I'd love a larger audience, but I have regular listeners in North America, Europe, Africa, and Asia. And I think that's pretty remarkable. So those are the three surprises from my work on Great Ridge Station. What I have planned for this episode is based on material that I originally thought I'd release between seasons one and two. There were some reasons that I chose not to release it earlier, but now I think that time has come. I could approach this topic in a few different ways, but I've said enough. The best way to do this is just jump right in. A lot of years back, I was trying to sort through the direction of my life, figure out how God had gifted me and what I should be doing. That was not an easy task. I had a few resources available. At the urging of a friend, I took an assessment to find out what kind of career was suited to me. Boy, was that a disappointment. Nothing. I took the Myers-Briggs temperament indicator and found out much of what I already knew. I spent a fair amount of time trying to figure out what God was up to and the direction he wanted me to take. If the process were made into a book, it would have a title like Through the Impassable Jungle of Calling with Gun, Camera, Bible, and Notebook. See, it wasn't until I ran into Lori Beth Jones' book, The Path, that things started to make sense to me. I took a long retreat weekend, something I'd done many times before, again with Bible and notebook close by. And when I say notebook, I mean paper. I'm probably geekier than the next guy with laptops, desktops, and tablets, but not that kind of notebook. I seem to think better sometimes with ink and paper. So here's a caveat. I wasn't particularly impressed with how Jones handled the Bible, and she took a few things, well, way out of context. Now, it's easy to be critical, so I just kind of had to discipline myself to just shut up and learn. I had to quiet my complaining long enough to figure out what was God trying to say to me through a book that was, well, a little imperfect. 
But the book was really helpful to me at that point in my life and where I was. The path walked me through a process to see what ideas resonated with me most deeply. Her goal, my words, not hers, was to create a sort of life motto made up of three words that you can use to drive your life, your goals, and your ambitions. I'm probably overselling it, but the words that I initially came up with were equip, delight, encourage. Now, over the years, I added one additional word, so today I work with equip, delight, exhort, encourage. The point of a motto is not just to have something cool to write underneath your email signature line. The point of a motto was to help me set a direction. See, here's my problem. Everything in life is fascinating to me. I needed something to help me focus my efforts and help me to avoid doing things that didn't line up with where God wanted me. I have to say that these fit me pretty well, and I've used Equip, Delight, Exhort, Encourage to frame my work and effort. It's worth noting that I came up with this motto well before I even ever considered adult education as a career. In retrospect, as I often say, God's plan, not mine. So all these years later, these words still make sense, and perhaps even more sense than they did then. By the way, this is not about me. I'm sharing this because sorting through the questions of calling can be really difficult. I share these ideas with you because it might spark some new ideas about your own calling. And so we begin. See, I find this fascinating, and I assume that you will too. You may not know it, but there's a debate in the field of leadership about where new leaders come from. This debate has been heated at times, and when I say heated, I mean that in the academic sense, where people argue with each other through journal articles. <laughs> Seriously, though, there's no real agreement on this. Do we train leaders, develop them, foster them? How about nurture or equip? Well, there are a lot of words out there, and no agreement in the field about which is more appropriate, descriptive, and, well, accurate. For a field based on research and some pretty compelling data, there's no clear consensus on where leaders come from. Everyone has a favorite opinion, and it seems to me that the reason the research results are inconclusive is that everyone has their own way of interpreting the data. That's not necessarily bad, but it does make things complicated for us. See, this is my bias, but I've always had trouble with the word training. Training demeans what leaders do and who leaders serve, because... Well, expectations are pretty low. Think about it. Training involves getting someone to develop compliant behaviors. It's about getting people to do what's expected of them, usually with no thinking required. I don't think we should talk about training leaders. We train dogs. Step out of line and, hey, I'll zap you with the shock collar. Behave. And do what you're told. See, training is probably not the right term to describe how leaders are made. This might actually be a philosophical battle that I'm winning. Years ago, I was involved with an industry group called the ASTD, the American Society of Training and Development. They provided a lot of helpful resources that I used in the early years of my career. Well, recently, this group changed their name to ATD, the Association for Talent Development. And the point goes to Sam. <laughs> Actually, that's a really good segue to this next piece. What about developing leaders? Well, as you might expect, I have an opinion here, too. The problem with developing is that it runs right past a core question in the field of leadership. Are leaders born 
or are they made? See, development seems to assume that leadership is an inborn trait, and it is developed, well, by people like me. And if you don't have it, well, you're out of luck. I'm not convinced that leadership is an inborn trait. And again, the research is divided. Some researchers have suggested that we're all born leaders, but born with different levels of leader ability. I don't know about you, but that seems like cheating. Now, some of the folks who hold that view are people that I respect and appreciate, but I kind of think they missed the mark on this one. The idea of developing leaders feels to me like, bring me someone you are sure is a leader and we'll work on them and turn them into a real leader. It seems like there's a lot of arrogance there. Bring me the raw product and I will develop them into leaders. <laughs> Sorry, but probably not. How about foster and nurture? Well, they also have their proponents, but it feels like they got together with a brainstorming team and a focus group and said, what words do we have available as synonyms for develop? Like I said, I like the word equip. It recognizes the limitations in what I do as one of those leadership, educator, mentor, speaker, consultant people. See, I feel like equip gets to the core question of what can I do? See, I can equip you with tools that work. I can help you to know how to use them, and I can even help you make sense of when they're appropriate. See, my job, in fact, the job of the strategic leadership program that I lead, is to equip people with the tools and the know-how. See, for years, I've thought of myself as a sort of leadership outfitter. So what does an outfitter do? Well, they ask a lot of questions. Where are you going? What kind of adventure are you taking? Will there be water, hiking, climbing? How long will you be gone? What languages are used where you're going? What do the local cultures look like? See, I can help. I can advise. I can recommend. But guess what? That's where my job stops and yours begins. See, I'm not going to train you to do things the way I think you should. I want to equip you to face leadership challenges that I've never had to deal with. See, that's one of the limitations of training. That's one of the limitations of development. With equipping, if I give you the tools and the know-how you need, you'll be ready to do something helpful when the time arises. That is the power of equipping. Let me give you an example. A couple of months before the COVID uh, crisis hit, I taught a course on leading through crises. So instead of a here's what to do sort of class, we developed new ways to think about a crisis situation. After the course was over, in fact, after the COVID lockdown began, I got calls from several students thanking me for preparing them for the unexpected. That was delightful and really completely unexpected. See, this is the thing about equipping. I can do what I can do, but I can't do it for you. You have to have the knowledge and the cojones, in the non-gender specific sense of the word, the cojones to step up. That's why I love the word equip. As I like to say to my students, you can disagree with me and still get an A in the class. These are my opinions, and I throw them out there in hopes that there'll be some benefit to you. There are a lot of smart people who disagree with my approach, but the even smarter ones agree. <laughs> Anyway, I've spent a fair amount of time on equip, but that's probably because, well, that's where I've been putting a lot of effort lately. So next time at Great Ridge Station, I'll give you some insights about delight, exhort, and encourage. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. 
All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.